Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girlbomb. Girlbomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. The Around the NFL Podcast. Wants to find Mark Sessler a new job. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. The aforementioned Mark Sessler. Don't go anywhere, Mark. We need you, buddy. Now more than ever. And Greg Rosenthal. I mean, if you were to voluntarily leave the company to pursue other projects and you reached out for help, obviously we would help you on that end but uh i just don't really want to pursue that even as a thought well i mean these are either listener generated or it came from inside our own company that that message and it said that the it didn't say that i'm looking for a new job it said the atn podcast i believe is looking help hoping to find me a new job so it's sort of an unsettling way to open um a show that will probably wind on for 80 or 90 minutes, but I'll do my best. No one said it means you have to leave this job. Uh, maybe it's a Weish, you know, deal where you get a oh. side hustle. You start working for the Browns. You get that double stream of income, and suddenly, like, the whole Sessler household is just flying. I mean, we know a few people that have worked for the Browns, and they're, um, you know, they're not far from us right now, Dan. But it also doesn't always turn out well. You know, sometimes those... Stays with the Browns end under mysterious circumstances. What's that I hear in the background? Oh, oh my gosh. That's, my God, that's Nick Shook's music. <laughs> Is this so where I crash? The Browns? Is this what where happened? I crush the beer cans and like dump them over my head? You know, I mean, <laughs> I've been known to do that. Sure. I've been Come known on. to do that. Oh, well, y- you know. Um, some things are best left to mystery. Wee, Shooky's back. How about that? You mm. know, Nick, I was thinking, um, what did Freddie Kitchens do? To <laughs> I know we're going to have to get some drinks inside of Shook sometime just to get the lowdown on this. Got to get him inside that, that yep. chiseled body. Shook, I was thinking you are 
a rising star with NFL media. I see you on network now a lot. Your football writing is top notch. Um, you're, you have a striking appearance because of your well-built physique and your bald head and your fairly symmetrical face. There's a lot of things going for you right now, Nick. Um, what we need now is to put together fairly some... symmetrical. <laughs> we need to put together some... It could be a little more symmetrical. It would be nice, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I had a few project ideas. Some, um, and you could take this IP and run with it. Run with it, and then of course, if it takes off, you could just give me a producer credit, and I'll stay out of it on the creative end. But maybe I just get a paycheck. Um, Nick's shook, and that's kind of just you on various personal, domestic, global affairs that concern you. Yeah, I mean, I like that idea. I get that a lot. You know, people think they're really clever when when I'm like, "Wow!" I say, "Wow!" I'm in a social <laughs> setting, and I say, "Wow!" and they go, "Oh, would that um, would that make you perhaps shook? Oh. Are you shook?" Yeah, I was going to say, I was that him? not the first time that you've gotten that as a potential programming idea? Or I usually uh, pat them on the back and say, "You know what? I've never heard that in my life before. Thank you." Pat You're them right on the back. Head. Tough one. How about All right, this one? Great start, for that Dan. What do you got next? Credit? Yeah, how about uh, yeah, it's uh, just the start. How about Nick shook me all night long, and that's a sex and relationship podcast. That one would um, would take off on a different podcast network, I think. Um, <laughs> it, it would be dangerous, but in a good way. And then finally, um, I just got shook. Colin Nick on earthquakes and other seismic activities. I have experienced a few. Once living in L.A., and, and we even had one here in the Cleveland area a couple summers ago that was so small you couldn't even feel it. But the news told you about it for five days because it's so I mean, that rare. Is, that is a nice sort of breaking news element to it as well where people would say, you know, we've felt something in the middle of the night. You know where to go. You go to where, you know, you have to suddenly start an earthquake-oriented podcast at 3.12 a.m. Um, I like it. I love it. Just imagine, like, here in Southern California, whenever there's a tremor, uh, everyone runs to Twitter and says earthquake or you feel that blah blah blah. Shook has a live link. It's a live stream and he's breaking it down for two hours. Like doing my cornacki, I got my sleeves rolled up. I'm in front of some big board that's <laughs> oh, yeah. showing like you know the the what the Richter scale and the seismograph and where the epicenter was. Here's another one. Shook, not stirred. A podcast Ooh. about mixology. That's good. That's, that's see, it's solid. all there when you are blessed. With the physique, well, you've earned that. With the that dome, with the fairly symmetrical face, with the mind that you have, and then the name to top it off. It's, it's the off season, and it's time to start thinking bigger. That's all, Nick. I'm just lucky that when I shaved my head for the first time, that I didn't have an oblong head, at least to what mm. I can see. So important, Nick. I mean, you also, by the way, sound like. Uh, go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to say, Nick, you could do a lot of things with Nick as well. Shaving Nicks and, mm, you know, Nicks and razors, like a little shaving podcast. <laughs> people with beards are very, um, you know, they're very trendy right now. The people with the fashionable beards, you could cater to them. How about this? Shook about Nicks. And it's all about cutting yourself shaving and how to, to avoid that. You know, I think this brainstorming session just produced a winner. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, on a more serious note, uh, Nick, uh, this is your first show with us. Um, since you so beautifully uh, helped us um, handle recaps uh, on Sunday nights, and uh, you know you would you would come in and tag in for Chris Wessling um, last season, which was uh, you know a very kind of difficult, vulnerable time for the podcast, and um, 
you know, especially as Wes was getting sicker and he started to worry about where where it was all going. Shook was always there and always very um, uh, versatile for us and always cool to jump on whenever and fill in. And you do fill, um, you know, it's a very important place in the history of this podcast, Nick, and um, hope to have you involved in this upcoming regular season on Sunday nights because God knows we need the help. But uh, thank you for being part of that time in the history of the show as difficult as it was. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, ever since I since Greg first hired me uh, seven years ago, um, I always wanted to be a part of this. And it was always it's always been an honor and will continue to be an honor for every time that uh, I'm able to join you guys. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, man. It was it, you were I remember you were there on that that I'll never forget that episode. Now, the you know, the last, um, you know, Browns win, not not the last Browns win ever, but the the, the Browns playoff win where, yeah, West kind of tagged tagged out for you like that that was um, an amazing show um all right coming up on today's show with nick shook sitting in for the whole banger of an app how long did you say mark 80 to 90 minutes we'll try to come in under that but no promises i mean 90 would be i i 90 to 100 is where i'm sitting at with where you know now we're now we're 10 minutes in. i think we've got an, at least another 93 minutes to go <laughs> Uh, coming up on today's show, you know, we've talked about it. We talked about it last week. And um, in general, Greg's biggest offseason written piece on NFL.com is his projected starter series. And you would think during this time of year when things are a little slow that we would have been hitting it hard. And yet we neglected the series. We didn't. It came up casually in conversation, but it never got its own Seg, and now days and weeks have passed, uh, you know, since the, the debut of the series. We're now finally uh, going to address it in a series that, in a segment we like to call Projected Starters. <laughs> yes, Projected Starters Autopsy, where we dig through the corpse of Greg's brilliant series. And share some takeaways of our own. Also. Slightly grisly, but I, I think that people are going to enjoy it. Poking I mean, the corpse. It took weeks to make up this sound drop, so it was, <laughs> it was worth the wait. <laughs> uh, also, we promised them, you get them. We share some of the iTunes reviews out there at the end of the show. But before that, let's hit the news. I mean, let's face it, the Giants are coming off a worse week than Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> And they're up by 14 points. That's what uh, we chose for Al. Come on. Granted, it was um, not Al's finest moment. That that would not be his do you believe in miracles moment. It might be the opposite of it. It might be the unbreakable. It might be the Samuel Jackson to Bruce Willis moment in Al Michaels' career. But... Mm. Yeah, it, it might be more like, do you believe in Mike Tirico taking over in one more year? <laughs> Mike Tirico, hired by uh, NBC several years ago, was always thought to be the heir apparent to Al Michaels. Now we're at a stage where Al is in the final year of his contract. NBC has the Super Bowl. It's in Los Angeles, Al Michaels' hometown. And now here we are in a situation where is Al going off into the sunset? Probably not. Al Michaels loves what he's doing, even at 76 years old. And this report from friend of the show, Andrew Marchand. 
NBC's Al Michaels has emerged as Amazon Prime's top choice to do play-by-play for its forthcoming exclusive Thursday night NFL package. The Post has learned the courting has already begun with NBC, an active part of the discussions that could include its top production people being part of a potential deal as well. According to sources, Amazon begins its exclusive broadcast of Thursday night football next season. Uh, Greg, it's, Michaels is the target here, but there's also talk about Joe Buck and Ian Eagle. I love it. There's a weird Jay Leno announces he's retiring in seven years and Conan's waiting to take over vibe going on. It's a, another NBC boondoggle potentially here uh, where Tariko has earned his shot and the old guy is still there um, giving Al a final act to his career on a great platform. That feels perfect. I hope it happens. Yeah, I love this. We, we've talked about it now for a few years. It's not that I want Al out of my life. Still think he's you know top four. You know, I want him to be on one of these primetime games. He's just taking. Yeah, you know, he, he's just late career Joe Montana in front of Steve Young doesn't belong on that Sunday night. So perfect. Put him on the new Amazon and we fly. I'm into it. But he'd still do the NBC Sunday night games this year, according to that right. report. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Amazon so doesn't start till 2022. So he then would segue pretty naturally. He gets his swan song at NBC. It's in L.A., as, as Dan mentioned. He gets the Super Bowl. And then he just uh, moves to Thursday night. And Joe Buck doesn't have to work as hard uh, in 2022. Yeah, I mean, Tariqo's very much feels like a <clears throat> New England-based Jimmy Garoppolo product where you, you, know, you thought maybe he's the heir apparent, but... The, the lead guy is just too good in staying around too long. And like, uh, I, I might, I think about Michaels is this, I, maybe he's not where he was like years ago. Um, for me, he's, he's still like the, the top of the mountain and I would love to be his age and still passionate about, um, what one is doing. I think that's kind of, there's these announcers that have been in our lives for like our entire lives. It's crazy. I mean, and he's the dude that announces like every sport, um, I love it. I, I find another part of this job is we must continually chat about other men becoming very rich, and uh, you have to have the stomach for that. I'm most curious to to hear Al Michaels read like the ad reads or the information about streaming during those uh, broadcasts <laughs> being on Amazon Prime right. and, and how he handles uh, the whole concept of that. You you would think, though, they might be a little looser. I guess it's still an NFL partner, but you know, the, if the gambling shackles are coming off in general across – uh, the coverage of the NFL, you would think like Amazon would maybe be the one that pushes the boundaries a little bit. And Al would, would love to dive into that. Sure. Kind of like how in Major League Baseball, they're using the minor leagues to try to figure out some rules to make the game go uh, in a more expedient manner. Maybe maybe the streaming platform is the setup for primetime and Sunday and Monday and all that. I like that. And I hope Al... Uh, gets that final act what, and other- like one other little nugget in that like and it's not surprising but they talked about nate burleson as perhaps the partner to whoever they hire as the play-by-play man which is you know again i think it's like his next ascension but amazon is like we're not going to try to like put a bunch of kids out there we're going to try to put together a team that is like one of the best teams around okay. in hey. other news uh lamar jackson in his three nfl seasons which of course includes an mvp award in 2019, he has operated almost totally uh, out of the pistol formation. That's changing, we hear in June. ESPN.com's Jameson Hensley reports that the offense in Baltimore this season will include plays with Jackson starting under center 
Uh, Greg Roman, the team's OC, told reporters on Wednesday the change is coming to the team's approach. He doesn't know what the percentage will be or the extent of how much they're going to use it, but they're working on it and evaluating it every day. Shook, why do you think the Ravens are doing this, and do you think this is uh, important or just a June non-story? I think it could jumpstart their passing offense a little bit, and, and, and the reason for that is, is first, variety, but secondly, the, the boot opportunities and, and how well you can get him on the rollout and that sort of situation. It's more natural coming from under center with a run fake and breaking back to your opposite side than necessarily doing the read option type of thing where it's more lateral than it is gaining depth on your rollout. So I, I think that that's probably one of the, the goals of going under center. They also have a rushing attack that has proven in part because of Lamar Jackson's um, presence in that offense has proven to be very effective and um, coming out of some traditional sets, I think adds more unpredictability and, and limits teams ability to potentially stack the box or, or try to game plan against that running attack. Can't do what you did before the year before. It's like the history of offensive evolution in the NFL. If you do it, you're going to get stuck. Like once, once you get past the mid nineties to the start of the two thousands. And I, I think that was part of the Ravens issue last year. Not that they were bad offensively. It was still a good running game, but they didn't really evolve what they do. You have to change in some way each year or else it's not going to work. And as long as they don't lose kind of the core of what they do, and it's not like they're not going to use his legs and it's not like play action can't be effective from uh, under center. It can be more effective and they're a great play action team. So you, you, they got, they need to have a few more flavors to throw out there each week. I mean, I think it was like two seasons ago, they were appropriately lauded for um, bludgeoning teams with their approach. But last year, you know, they didn't have Nick Boyle. They tried to do that again. Um, They were largely successful for parts of the season. But there were all these sideshows that we talked about on Tuesday with, you know, Lamar Jackson saying that the defenses were calling out plays pre-snap. Like, you know, that's the trick with the Greg Roman offense. And he said all offseason, we have to expand. I mean, I will say this, though. The, the Ravens social media team got a little too um, excited about the concept of this yesterday and put out, I don't know if you saw this, this um, Lamar Jackson pass to Sammy Watkins, and it was like an ultra duck. And all these people were like, why did you put that <laughs> clip out there? Like, it's, it did not help this messaging on any level. You have to go check it out. I get, you could look at it cynically and say it's a you know tacit admission that the offense was kind of going in the wrong direction last year. Or you could just say, okay, this is smart. This is smart. Yet, like you guys are saying, you have to evolve. You can't just stay the same way. And imagine if, if, if Lamar is comfortable in this and he's got some better playmakers this year, you know, maybe his game takes a jump. And that would be very exciting for the Ravens. In other news, the COVID-19 vaccine. It's very important that we all get vaccinated and um, there are some people in our country and uh, that don't feel that way and that is creating a um, level of tension in our nation uh, there's always tension in this country especially if you like in the last few years but the new thing now is the idea of being vaccinated and and the buffalo bills are kind of a, a case study in the nfl the bills let me set it up this way the nfl if you get to 85 percent um vaccination on your roster it allows you to relax some of the restrictions on your team it just makes life a lot easier for the team in addition to it makes it safer uh for everyone uh but the bills aren't really talking about it they don't want to talk about it when they're asked about it quarterback josh allen and linebacker tremaine edmonds did not want to talk about the vaccines and then jordan poyer 
uh, said, according to the Buffalo News, the following. Real quick, before we start, I'm not going to be answering questions about vaccines, so if you guys can direct your questions all to football, I would love to answer them. All respect. I appreciate it. What is this? What's this all about, Greg? What's going on here? I I think they have been put in the spotlight because Josh Allen and especially Cole Beasley have been so vocal. And I think Poyer, Poyer or a family member, I think it was his wife, you know, it was too. But Beasley was so vocal about essentially not um, believing the science and wanting on to social do, media. do yeah. his own research. And Josh Allen essentially alluded to that too. Like if you're, if you don't want to answer the questions and you're saying it's private, it's, it's pretty clear which, which direction you're going. And I'd like to think they actually huddled a little bit and said, we don't want this to be a problem within our team. Um, and let's just shut it down in terms of uh, the media a- as a story. At some point, though, it'll be a bigger deal because the rules, as you mentioned, Dan, are are different depending on how vaccinated you are. And then when you get to the season, they really get different. Like if you're in the bye week and you're not vaccinated, you got to show up to get tested every day. And if not, you can go, you know, you can go to Hawaii. You go uh, with Jason Witten and. Tony Romo and to Cabo. I think they just live there now. They just hang out the four of them uh, in Cabo and you can do whatever you want. So that would seem to be like where the rubber hits the road there, where it's like, are they really going to stay away from it during the season when you get these advantages as a team? I, I don't know. I'd struggle to think that by training camp, that 15% of, of rosters players would not, would not be vaccinated. But you know, well, look at our country, the, though. I mean, well, country and, and I, it's sixty-three percent are vaccinated or have had at least one shot right now, and tons of people have bailed on the second one. So, you know, there's just a, like last year. There's a human element to how it's being processed to some degree. And I mean, I guess listen, like it's not really fair that Josh Allen would be like picked apart by everyone um, for doing something different than we all did. But I totally get it. And the bull, the bills are in a weird spot if 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 like he refuses to answer those questions. To your point, Greg, it just simply suggests that he's against it. Not only that, but then you think about the competitive advantages or disadvantages, you know, like Greg had, you know, mentioned it. I mean, you, when it comes to the coaching staff, they can't even be involved if they're not vaccinated. You know, there's there's like a clear separation. There's the masking that's involved. And there's also the vulnerability associated because Let's face it, according to the CDC, you know, you get vaccinated, you the chance that you're infected and can spread are, are extremely low, which is, you know, led to the change in, in mask advising and everything else. Well, if you're unvaccinated and you contract COVID-19, guess what? You're stuck in where we were last year, which right. is you're out. And, and anybody who's near you who wasn't vaccinated is out. And if this is something that's prevalent more among one team, you're setting yourself up for issues going into the season. I, mm. I hate and we don't want to go down this road too far, but I hate that this has become on some level a political side-taking scenario. It's 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 just it's it's very frustrating because it just, the science is there that this works. Everybody should get a shot, and if you're listening <laughs> to the show, have some uh, consideration for your fellow man. I mean, we, we hear a lot about patriotic thoughts. It's like let's let's uh, have some concern for other people. All right. In other news, hit the trope alert, Ricky. Trope alert. Trope alert. Jared Goff has a fresh start with the Detroit Lions (laughs) and head coach Dan Campbell loves what he sees. He made about five throws uh, yesterday that were just wow, Campbell said that via the Detroit free press. Now, Mark, we went to Rams camp a few years back and uh, one thing that you jumped out is that that boy can throw a football. 
That has never been an issue with Jared Goff. So it doesn't surprise me that he's throwing tight line drive spirals on target. That's how he became a no- number one overall pick. But unfortunately uh, for Goff, the football at quarterback is goes beyond that, and that's where he's gotten into trouble in the last couple of years. Yeah, I guess it's in Detroit, it's more like who is he throwing it to when real games start? I mean, <laughs> they are one of the thinner wide receiver groups out there. Um, but, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I hear that goes in one ear and out the other. Jared Goff throwing good passes when there's no pass rust, like no no scheming against his weaknesses. Okay, he's a great athlete. He's a supreme athlete. I should I don't think this should be surprising any of us. That's why it is a trope. Well, the, yeah, the trope is like, um, you know, disappointing player for other team, you know, is, is wowing in the uh, offseason practices. Jared Goff can spin it. Let's pump him up. Yeah. Um, we, were, we, were, we remember that scene in Hard Knocks, right? You know, where Sean McVay sitting there. Who was it? Was it Sean McVay or was it Jeff Fisher standing back? And the going, Rams have been on so many NFL films properties that I've lost track. Oh, man, that's an NFL throw right there. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> June. Yeah. Now, you know, I was thinking we'll save this for the Fantasy Spectacular coming up later this summer. Uh, but I wonder, they're going to be playing from behind a lot. Um, Goff is probably going to get a season full of starts. There's not a lot of wide receivers. How about TJ Hawkinson? Under the radar is a, a big ad. Tight end, very thin in fantasy. He was great uh, last in recent year. recent years. Um, all right. In other trope alert news. Trope alert. Trope alert. Trope alert. Trope alert. Hey, listen. Mac, June, alert. Mac Jones is the new hot quarterback with all the swag with the Patriots. But do not forget that Cam Newton is a former MVP now in the second year of the Patriots system. And guess what? Offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels had this to say. He came back this year at a much different position. He has a different grasp of the offense, a different understanding of the terminology. Now we're working on refining the precision, the details. Okay. So what does that mean? He just had no idea what he was doing last year? What are we doing? I mean, yeah, that's the that's the year too. We get the the guy gets the offense a little more. It's usually more about like Things young are slowing players. Down for me, but it's yeah, but it's it <laughs> right. also can be for free agents, especially. It might be like a pandemic trope because you didn't have the off season last year. And that part makes sense. I'm buying it. I'm I mean, also it. like they they're a completely different offense. Like they, you know, you can read this in Greg's projected starters, but it's a stat that's out there. I mean, no team ran less two tight ends. They probably will be, you know, top three in the league with that this year. It's a, so it's like I, it's not like the same playbook. They got a whole bunch of different players. Finally, sit on news. that. Finally, in the news. Uh oh, Greg. On Tuesday's show, you were just talking about it. Um, we were talking about how you'll see. I'll see you at the crossroads. Well, you won't be lonely. I'll see you at the. I'm gonna miss everybody, especially Uncle Charles. Um, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, both at the crossroads. Well, popped up that Chandler Jones, you know, maybe connected to some uh, trade rumors. And what did he do? Speaking of trope alerts, he deleted the Cardinals from his social media in its entirety. No more mentions of the Arizona Cardinals on Chandler Jones' social. Greg is looking it up right now. He can't even believe it. He needs to get to the gram right now. Uh, What does that mean, Shooky? Is Chandler Jones on the way out? He certainly must be disgruntled. I mean, I think athletes do this 70% of the time solely for the attention as if they don't get enough. So (laughs) I get pretty annoyed by stuff like this. But again, 
we are in June, so we need something to feed the beast. And if we're going to feed a, a mm. controversy beast, it's definitely somebody wiping stuff out from their social media. Personally, I don't know if this really does mean he's disgruntled or if he's preparing for what could eventually be the inevitable. Or if we just have some people who are just uh, scrubbing social media timelines and just happen to look and say, oh, look, he doesn't mention his team anymore. Oh no! Like, mm. like, what if I deleted around the NFL writer? No one would notice. No what if I got rid of that around the NFL writer out of my bio? Is everybody going to think I'm disgruntled? What if I'm just trying to save? Characters? I think maybe I think perhaps David Ely would would ping you on <laughs> instant messenger with a few questions, but maybe Ely's Jones doesn't like all the pop JJ Watt's getting as like Mister Cardinal because you know you see him at the Suns game and you know, JJ Watt immediately is like always tweeting about the Suns and Phoenix sports. He's in the front row at the game and it's like Chandler Jones is. It's like, what's up? What's up with me? You know, what about my shine? What about my well, there, shine? I'm there are also some whispers that it could be related to a trade for Julio Jones. Ooh, Jones for Jones. In fact, that came from our friend Jason Zumwalt. He texted us with some concerns about that. So not a report. It's just Cardinal <laughs> superfan Jason he, Zumwalt. No, he didn't come up with that out of thin air. He said that, you know, the streets were talking, that he's got his own... Uh, I guess, chat rooms and areas that he hangs out in where this was becoming a thing. I'm not saying that it's from the Associated Press necessarily. but <laughs> Hey, listen, Chandler Jones in a, in a second uh, for Julio Jones, but I don't know if that that <laughs> helps the Falcons' salary cap-ish. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I mean, love you, Jack. Um, all right. If I, by the way, if I scrubbed you guys from my social entirely and then any reference to the atn podcast do you think that would maybe that would earn like a subreddit post or something would that get a little pop mm. is dan on his way out is he starting his own platform the dan hansis network <laughs> we'd just I be think, all I think like be... throwback and uh the boys on your Instagram. <laughs> and squirrels like i think you might be squirrels. like a little annoyed with the, the i think in your mind i mean anyone would think this that it's going to generate this sort of American groundswell of attention. It might just be a little bit less, or at least it would be like an hour of attention, and then people would move on to the next anti-drama. So, so I don't think what, it's worth it. It's yes. like Char- Chandler Jones, the same thing, only on a smaller scale, basically. Like one hour of people writing up a aggregated blog post about it. Yeah, Shook, Shook deletes all of his around the NFL stuff. No one notices, and like a week later, he's like, "Can I put it back? Is that like, <laughs> no one this?" It's like when you post a picture on Instagram and delete it because it didn't get enough likes. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Nobody saw <laughs> it. The tree falls in the woods. Nobody hears it. That's a great episode of Nick Shook, by the way. When your social posting, you keep going back and expecting pop, and it doesn't get you a little shook there. Nick. Mm. I like that. All right, that's what's happening in the news. Projected starters. Autopsy. We dig through. What's left of Greg's projected starter series? What work Greg did? And now it's upon us to look upon it on a cold slate. Take out the scalpel and other cutting devices. Poke around and see what's inside. Mark, it is gone. I think one of the most, you know, so it's split up into eight divisions. And I noted this last week, but I think one of the most um, intriguing entries is the AFC South, because there was a period, you know, when the Texans were rising with Deshaun Watson and, uh, you know, the Colts had Phillip Rivers 
And you could look at the Titans as a team that was a Super Bowl threat. And then suddenly the Jacksonville Jaguars got Trevor Lawrence that you might think this, this division after so many years in the past of having issues had risen. I think the way that you've outlined what's happened in the AFC South, it's completely different. Um, and I, I think the, the one that, I, that caught my attention the most was the Colts. And just for a couple little things, I thought this was imaginative because you mentioned um, the quarterback position, and we've talked about Carson Wentz a billion times. But if you want to talk about not a corpse, but someone that's been under the knife a lot, it is Carson Wentz and his backup is Jacob Eason, who is completely untested. And, you know, any one of these teams that lose their starters, you're in some you're in fair hot water and you have a lot of you can make some excuses. But that would be the floor falling out in a division they very clearly could win. And you made a note that why not um, reunite Frank Reich with none other than Nick Foles. It's too awkward, as you pointed out, um, but that would be one of the more intriguing um, things to happen in the offseason if you wanted to generate one more story. The other thing I thought about the Colts, because you, you, know, you noted they just, after years of getting better and better under Chris Ballard, that, that's, that there's a pause on that. They, they did not get better this year. And I think if you're kind of casually watching football, you would say, but yeah, but they have the best offensive line. Um, Hands down, like Carson Wentz is in the best situation because of their O line. Now they're not going to get Eric Fisher for you know we don't know like it could be weeks, but in general, like they aren't the number one offensive line in the league. And you pointed out that they had taken a step back, and who knows where they are this season. Offensive lines are so unpredictable. Like they were seventh last year in Pro Football Focus, but I, it's just one of those things that like every play by play guy just says because. I don't know. He's heard other people say it. It's like, they're the best offensive line in the league. Now they really weren't a year ago. They were good. They weren't maybe like dominant and they're counting on, you know, they're counting on guys to step in right away and do things on, on both sides. Well, like Quiddy pay has to come in and I think be a factor for them. They lost a lot uh, on the defensive line. I'm not, not feeling the Colts. You want to keep that in the division. You go to Houston and just look at their backfield. We know the Deshaun Watson situation. We know how they've, throwing a lot of stuff at the wall uh, to address that or prepare for plan B. You know, Tyrod Taylor, Jeff Driscoll, Davis Mills, that draft pick. But you want to talk about throwing stuff at the wall and seeing if it sticks. Look at their running back room. There's <laughs> seven guys on this list. Not one of them, to me, looks like uh, your potential, like the, the definite lead back because you got David Johnson, who they we know how they got him in the trade with DeAndre Hopkins. They signed Mark Ingram. They signed Philip Lindsay, who might have gotten a raw deal in Denver. Uh, and then Nick Casario pulls one out of his New England bag and signs Rex Burkhead. Not to mention the other three guys on the list, Buddy Hal, uh, Dontrell Hilliard, and, and Scotty Phillips. There's so many running backs in this room and no clear leader or direction. I mean, I, they could have them all battle it out, I guess, and see which ones survive. But, um, I mean, I guess for this type of team, this is the best approach. It's definitely um, an intriguing, if not hilarious, approach. I look at... They were on my list, the Texans. They have 2-15 and 15 written all over them if Tyrod's the quarterback. Right. And, and who knows if he even makes it through the season, and then you start going down the depth chart there. If I feel Deshaun like Tyrod not is there, not even like – My goodness. I mean, he, I guess he is high up on their concerns. But there are position groups that I think are worse, you know, compared to compared to league average. You know, the, the, I, I counted three defensive players that I know are starting, and, like, the rest of the – the defense is just total competition. I think if anything, though, like they, they, for all, I, I look at the Texans as a team. There's a lot of like delusions of grandeur um, running around inside that organization. But um, I don't think that extends to the general manager who went out and signed a ton of people to one year deals 
because it's a patch year, and I think they knew that. And it's like you're going to learn to look a whole lot different a year from now and start to get some draft picks back. But it's going to be a really ugly autumn. Um, I'll move over to the AFC West, where Greg had rightly pointed out that there are some questions on that offense, which is, you know, kind of a bummer. You don't want there to be questions about the offense because you have this fantastic young quarterback in Justin Herbert coming off a, a record-breaking rookie season. But now you have him on a new offense. Um, Joe Lombardi is the new um, offensive coordinator. Uh, the offensive line should be better. But, yeah, the skill group, that that is on my radar. Keenan Allen needs to stay healthy here. Um, Hunter Henry's gone. Jared Cook in 2021. Like I, I like everyone else, I've been sucked into Jared Cook um, for a bunch of years, like 2018 through 2020, maybe even before that, 2017 maybe. But at this point, you kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, Mike Williams, another guy, very up and down. Um, and, you know, they picked up his fifth-year option. They're hoping he has a big uh, breakthrough year. Uh, Josh Palmer there, it's an unproven guy. Julio Jones, as you point out, Greg, makes a lot of sense there, but the Chargers probably aren't going to do that cool thing for their fan base. Uh, so this is what you're going to get. Eh, you know, they got to get. They need Keenan to stay healthy. Austin Eckler's got to stay healthy, or this could go sideways. Mm, yeah, autopsy. Look underneath the curtain with the chart. I think it's all like writing Broken. out of fear of uh, things going wrong for Herbert because I like Herbert so much, and I've seen them try to rebuild these offensive lines before, and it does all look great on paper. It's a little hard to imagine that they don't improve to average with the with the personnel they brought in, but I don't know. Something always goes wrong, and then this week, you know, Lombardi was talking about that you know he thinks Mike Williams is going to have big numbers you know that they raise a lot of fantasy alarms because essentially Mike Williams playing the X is like Michael Thomas in the Saints offense that's more or less what Joe Lombardi's trying to do he's not trying to reinvent the wheel the, the Saints run a pretty conventional um but effective NFL offense and if Mike Williams is that guy that they're relying on to count like to catch like 90 or 100 balls I don't know that just feels like a lot to be counting on they're not really the same player. And I mean, like Mike Williams, like two years ago, led the league in yards per catch. I mean, he had a thousand yard season. He's never had more than 50 catches, though, in any year. And he's had some durability issues. So it's kind of of a projection to suddenly say he's our Michael Thomas. I mean, we will see. Not only that, but I also worry about their depth because if there's one team that's been bitten by the injury bug pretty bad on the offensive side of the ball the last three to five years, it's them. Keenan Allen being one one year, and if that happened again, whether it was him or Mike Williams or somebody else, God forbid, they're uh, they're in a world of uh, of trouble if that happens. Right, Lombardi's not scheming you out of injury problems. I don't feel like. In case you're just joining us, this is <laughs> projected starters. Oh, what else you got? Is it worth it? Was it worth it, Dan? You've been pushing this projected starter seg. <laughs> I think okay. that I think the drop, you know, I'm up to drop. I've used it three times now, and I think that's pushing us over the finish line right now. I, mean, I gotta you say, we have in some side. medical, like sort of autopsy type talk into it. I'll I'll throw one in, maybe just uh, go for it. All right, Greg. You want to you want to put on your uh, Dr. Michael Bodden cap? Go ahead in your blue scrubs. Or how yeah. about that? What's who's that quack that that everyone gets on you know, that everyone retweets despite him getting like you know fired from the Chargers and kicked out of the NFL uh, and losing his medical license? Yeah, Chowie. Um, 
Uh, Devin Bush is a guy coming off of a major injury. And just because we haven't mentioned his name all offseason, he does strike me as this guy. Like, everyone thinks Devin Bush is already Devin White or Roquan Smith. And they're just like, okay, you're going to get Devin Bush back. And, like, that's going to really help. The, the, the history of the Steelers' defense at inside linebacker is incredible. It's like, I haven't seen that out of Devin Bush. Like, he is a flashy player that you see with with splash plays. I, I don't know if he's been particularly effective and he's coming off of a major injury. And that, that is a thin position for the Steelers. If you want to pick on their defense, their, their defense was number one in DVOA last year. It was a good defense, but they've lost a couple of people and they need Devin Bush uh, to be, to take a big step. And people are just kind of assuming it's going to happen. It's like, I, I got to see that happen. I mean, also I think they're thin at cornerback. I'll stay in the AFC North. And, you know, if you want to talk about a team that could be experiencing some shortness of breath, uh, maybe even, you know, heart issues if they don't um, get production at the pass rushing position. It could be the Ravens. And Greg points out that, you know, every year it feels like they lose their number one dude. Uh, and like that happened again. But they now have Tyus Bowser, Pernell McPhee and Jalen Ferguson as their lead dudes who last year and, they've you know, they have the rookie, too. But last year, those guys combined for seven sacks. So you're asking and the Ravens aren't necessarily like when you're a rookie, jump in and um, play as much as you normally would. Like they kind of slow bake them. So they're going to need help there. I also look at their backup quarterback position. If anything happens to Lamar Jackson and I guess like, you know, maybe it's cliche to say you worry about Lamar Jackson getting injured, but he's that kind of a quarterback. Your backup is Trace McSorley who I like is like uh, maybe a little gadget type player here or there. But I wonder if Eric DaCosta, who is always an active GM, might look for some veterans um, in both of those spots, you know, heading towards the end of training camp to patch that up. I think we got a glimpse of what the Ravens would look like with Trace McSorley in that Monday night game against the Browns late when Lamar Jackson had to run to the locker room. Thankfully, he is able to um, overcome the quote-unquote cramps and come back in time to uh, mm. lead them to victory but you wouldn't want to be caught in that situation you guys were feeling good when trace mcsorley was out there he did make like one throw yeah. uh, but after that it pretty much bogged down browns fans were just where they were feeling themselves and then and then there comes lamar running out of the bathroom oh, <laughs> what a day. that really turned into like the game of the year in the nfl yeah toilet yeah, paper yeah. hanging out of his pants <laughs> <Hero> <laughs> that was uh and not a uh a great ending for the Browns and their fans. But uh, that was great theater. That whole drama, the whole game was really, uh, I mean, if anything, you could say the Browns like answered a lot of doubters on their, on their offense too, but it was, Oh my God, Lamar was playing the Browns. How did I not connect that? uh, that There you go. Let's, uh, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to keep this in the AFC North and go back to Pittsburgh Um, (laughs) real quick, just because, Greg, you brought you know up Devin oh, no. Bush. Another defensive situation that I think is worth watching is T.J. Watt's effectiveness now that Bud Dupree is not opposite him. Um, after Bud Dupree got hurt last year, his pressure percentage, according to Next Gen, dropped by like ten percent, which was significant because oh, he was way that's up. That's your there. angle. You're the Next Gen guy. You're that's kind of you staked that as your corner. Your Next Gen. Cynthia's there too. I don't know if there's a little bit of. Uh, no, no, we're, we're friendly. We're yeah, okay, same team. Good. Same friendly team on the surface, but yeah. there's. You know, yeah, but I, she has her supercomputer. She's right. not just you've, leaning on you've next had some that, disparaging you know. comments about the supercomputer. At least pass through your mind. No. You haven't shared them in public. I mean, I, I got a laptop. We're all right. We're, we're working. We'll, over we'll here. have Cynthia on soon. It's been on my list of to dos too to, to sure. answer um, all the slights that Nick is throwing. <laughs> yeah, and all, all the mental ones. Uh, also, keeping it in Pittsburgh, their offensive line for me is still a concern. Um, you know, I, I recall draft day. 
and, and Aditi's report, which was that it was clear that they knew they needed offensive line help, but they liked the blend there, board and need at the same time, and they went with Najee Harris in the first round. And, you know, on paper, you're like, well, that's an upgrade over James Conner, but I look at that starting five, and, I, and I'm not super encouraged. I know some people are bullish on Kevin Dotson at left guard. Uh, they drafted a center in the third round, Kendrick Green. We'll see if he starts, and you have David DeCastro, but I'm not happy about their tackles um, from this point right now. And another next-gen dive real quick. Um, the Steelers were second to last in the league in expected rushing yards per attempt, which basically measures how effective their offensive line is. The only team that was worse than them was the Browns. But the difference between the Browns and them was the Browns running backs overcame that consistently. They posted the best rushing yards over expectation per attempt in the entire NFL. The Steelers, and that was at uh, plus 1.15 yards per attempt. So those running backs were consistently exceeding expectation and doing their job to a very high degree. The Steelers were uh, at negative 0.01 yards per attempt. So their running backs were ineffective, and their offensive line was also ineffective. So if you run back a line that looks very similar this year, you add Najee Harris, that's a lot to put on the shoulders of a rookie who does have a lot of mileage on him coming out of Alabama. So I think that's going to be a big thing to watch um, for the Steelers this year and and the chances for their offense. And if if we're carving up the AFC North, I might as well plug in on the Bengals here. And – Greg, you pointed it out, and it makes sense. Um, there's potential here for this offense to take a big jump. Now, the Joe Burrow ACL situation, and he ripped up his knee, something fierce. Uh, and it's good that he's back practicing in OTAs, and you hope he's close to the same guy. Um, there's a bit of a projection here that he makes the second-year leap and, and improves as a player if the knee cooperates. And then you have, you know, you got Jamar Chase there now. Uh, you have Tyler Boyd, underrated guy, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon at running back. And I don't know what to take from the Joe Mixon experience at this point, but we know he's fantastically talented and he still has prime years ahead of him. The offensive line, as you point out, Greg, maybe, uh, maybe Penny Sewell would have been the guy, a logical pick there. But you know what? There are pieces there that, they, that are developing. If the offensive line gets better, and they did bring in Riley Reef, of course, there to help on that end, with these weapons and Burroughs' potential, I'm not saying there's going to be four teams in the AFC North with nine-plus wins. I just think that Cincinnati might muck some things up. For, mm. And, you know, the, the bullies like Sessler and the Browns uh, looking down and pointing and laughing at them, they might not be doing that if this team comes together a little quickly, more quickly than people anticipate. I mean, a year ago, I said that I thought Zach Taylor had a chance to be coach of the year. I think a lot of it comes down to the specialness that they How believe that Zach Taylor brings. But I, I don't think the Bengals are a two- or three-win team. They they have a pretty good, pretty good roster on offense. They should be a team that goes out and, you know, they beat Tennessee last year. That's the one game I look at where I thought you kind of got a glimpse. Bad teams give you a little glimpse of what they can be with Burrow healthy and all that business. Um, they lost their quarterback. The floor fell out. They've been ravaged by injuries really as much as any team in that division or that conference over the last couple of years. You haven't really had a chance to see what they can be. They can win eight games. I don't know if the defense is going to be worth a damn there, and that's a problem, and we've talked about the coaching staff on this show. But uh, their <laughs> offense, I think, can keep them in games. I would take that young skill group, not counting quarterbacks. I guess I'm going like just running back receiver group of young players over any in the NFL. I, I can't – I can't. I mean – 
Dallas would be in the mix. I mean, there, there'd be other teams in the mix, but I think I would take that. Cause I, partly because I just love T. Higgins so much, and I'm, I'm kind of assuming Jamar Chase is, is going to be awesome. But I did notice kind of doing this exercise, the Bengals have completely changed their approach uh, of like player acquisition. I don't know if it's going to work, but they were the number one team in terms of draft and development in the NFL. Year after year, they dominated this stat, which was just like, how many snaps did you have from players you drafted? They would be like far and away ahead of the, the entire NFL. Now, was that working particular? It was working okay. They were, you know, they were making the playoffs and losing usually under Marvin Lewis. Now you look at their defense; it's all free agents from other places that you know were mostly letdowns in su- at least at some points. Like DJ Reader, Ogunjobi, Hendrickson, Von Bell, Awuzie from uh, Dallas. You got Trey Waynes, uh, Mike Hilton came in. Like that is just a lot of guys from other places, and you're counting on Lou Albano to just make it work. That yeah, usually dude. doesn't work. They're, like they are, everyone says like the middle class of free agency is kind of dead. You know, it's either like star, but except for the Bengals, they are all about the middle class. I'd have to think agency. Green Bay would be up there too, but I can already see. Um, a trend. I can already tell what's going to happen on this show if Cleveland starts out like one and three or one and four or two and four. It's it's like here we are. Cleveland had one nice season and everyone's over it. Now it's like they've been it's an, it's an off season where they're being a little overrated. Now at this point, it's June. People are tired of that. And it's going to be exhaustion set in. You know, the Saints could be good for like 18 years in a row. The Packers can be good for 25. But Cleveland had their one season. Now let's have the Bengals come nip well, them in the butt and, st- you know, take them from fourth to third, third to fourth place. And the Steelers suddenly are seeming like they're so much better than Cleveland. And we just trust the Ravens and the whole, you know what? That's why I have Nick Shook, who's about six foot three and built a bricks to start throwing punches if you guys get to, uh, you know, loose on this front. You better keep it. You better keep your traps closed. I'm a little annoyed. I mean, Mark, we've been we've been prepared for this. We've been steeled by the year that was 2019. I'll tell you what, the vitriol that I endured online while working for the Browns as they went down in a massive ball of flames it was Ooh. unlike anything I've ever experienced working here and, and ranking players and, and upsetting fans because their guy's ninth when he should be second in their opinion. Uh, so people love for the the hype machine to to go down uh, and crash and burn, mm. but um, even if they did start one and three, it's a long season. Remember, they got blown out in week one last year. We'll see I'm, what, I'm, you know, sure, I'm sure you guys will be totally really calm fun. on a Sunday night podcast uh, if they're no, one and three. Not. You'll just be like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, it's a long season, very measured. Uh, all your points about the us getting on you for the Browns and Mark, like those are Thursday show stuff. By then, you'll have calmed down a little bit. I, I think I'll be too afraid on Sunday nights. Like we know not to. It all depends. It's all about you. Got to look in the eyes. You got to see where the the Sessler eyes are at before you make any comments at all. But there is, you know, there's being a Browns fan right now. Yes, you have to deal with the expectations. But on the plus side, like, well, draft time as an example, it's like everyone is just genuflecting at the altar of the Cleveland Browns that everything they do is genius. So if you're going to get that type of positive buzz around your organization, you got to deal with the expectation heat that comes with it. It's part of the price. I had this very weird dream. I will not take more than a minute on this. Last night, um, it's one of those ones where you wake up and it's like 5, 12 in the morning and like you have no idea who you are. But I was at an airport with you, Dan, and we were in this like insane chase to try to find luggage. And I was trying to get Kevin Stefanski's luggage um, for him. And I was meant to then take it to the Browns complex, but I couldn't find it. And I kept getting lost and it was snowing mm. out. And then you Oof. were like, Hey man, I'm good. Like we were going to a hotel and you're like, I found my baggage. So are you good? Like, can you figure this out? I'm like, I guess so. And I'm walking around with this like sort of 
rather like strange, colorful bag that belongs to Kevin Stefanski. And then the dream ended. I didn't fulfill the journey on any level. What, what does that dream, mean? So what does the dream book dreams, say about that? Your Kevin Stefanski's like jockey, his bag boy. I think I was like the guy that would be like, <laughs> "Hey, can you do us a favor? Can you just, you know, Stefanski's got to go. Go bring his luggage to the complex and don't don't forget anything." And I was like, right. there was baggage everywhere. People were wearing By masks, the way, you not just wearing explained masks. Explained Nick Shook's final day with the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> that may be true. Stefanski is like, I've got some sensitive materials coming in from Nicaragua. Uh, can you call up Sessler to pick it up? <laughs> that is, that's the dream book would say that that's Mark dealing with the stress and weight of carrying the Browns bag on the national Ooh, perspective and like dealing that. with the fire from you guys and the mm-hmm. pressure and it's getting to him and it's getting into his subconscious and the season I can't get here all any that. slower. I could not. I think that's well, well assessed. Into that anymore. Um, I have one last one before we. Uh, if anybody else jumps in, go ahead, jump in. But um, you know, Greg, I don't know. Listen, we do a lot of stuff together on uh, on television and on this podcast, and so I've heard this a lot, and I've read this now in your piece of record on the 2021 season upcoming projected starters. I need receipts on this Russell Wilson League MVP promotion. This this theory or this thing you've been <laughs> right. propagating for months. In it was digital like a Sunday, Sunday night football game where it was like at, it was a pregame interview and it was all about uh, in all the media outlets saying how he's never received an MVP vote like that. You know, that was all part of it. Yeah, but y- your theory here um, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Russell Wilson spearheaded this media narrative that, that right that's what you're saying you're calling it a a, a promotion that he was running behind the scenes i mean yes or i know i yeah pretty much that he was he was um contributing to I it he talked he talked publicly about like what an mvp would mean to him and that he wants to be the greatest in the game and like that is what he wants he, yeah, but he was about asked it. about it i'm sure unless you could show, point uh I'm just he, saying, he, you bring he, it up enough that I need proof at this point that he was actually doing this. I, I don't want to vote. More importantly, I want to win the award, Wilson said, <laughs> September 25th. I mean, what are you what are you asking me here? He, he was doing it. He's got the PR arm. I stand by it. I do like you also ended your Seahawks write-up with this little blurb. Also popular with Seahawks fans, any shout-out to their status as a special breed of humanity more knowledgeable and inexplicable than any other collection of people on earth. What are you up to over there, Rosenthal? Yeah, what's that about? <laughs> Just messing around. You also jumped off their <laughs> corner last board. year. Uh, yeah, well, I don't, and they didn't. I think like it's that. all connected. Yeah, they didn't like that, and they just like the, the Seahawks fans. They do have a great Twitter um, presence. They're smart. They're weird, um, but they don't like to hear that any other fan base could also have like a smart, weird fan base. They <laughs> they want to feel special, and once you say like, okay, I'm not really feeling them as a Super Bowl team this year, then then they come at you. you Mark know? it down, June third. 2021, Greg Rosenthal officially became fatigued with Seahawks and Seahawks Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep the 12s weird, the yeah, uh, like, t-shirt like should read. Um, anybody else before we uh, close out this segment, which, by the way, has a title, and that title is... Projected Starters. All time. It's the rule of fours. Most people think, oh, three times you do it. That's the peak comedic efficiency not four five six seven <laughs> eight i will say um my girlfriend which you guys have 
love to discuss many times in this podcast in the past. She's in physical therapy school, and last semester, uh, she had to dissect a cadaver, which meant that Oof. she was studying a lot of images of, like, you know, formaldehyde-preserved dead humans and, and their various tissues. And every time uh, I hear that drop, I just think about looking over my shoulder at her computer screen and seeing oh, nerves right. and hearts and brains Oof. and all what? these gruesome stuff. Was it a man or a woman that she had to cut open and explore? It was a man, and I'll never forget, she came home one day and said, today I shaved the back fat off of a man. Oh. Dan, I have other questions. Dan, why are you laughing? I, you know, it is like the know, least the surprising thing that question has <laughs> disturbed me. I know, me too. It was like it was amazing and also the least surprising part of this podcast. Like how, so that's how, where how, Mark's mind went immediately. And if it is a woman, do you know where I can go to get one? No, I just, you know, there are, there are some follow-up questions. But that's for one of your other podcasts, Nick. But I maybe could send some questions in. I can't think of a title to, to loop in uh, dissection of cadavers, but we'll get there. Uh, I have one last one, and it's the Raiders. Oh, wow. Um, and they're secondary, just because it's not necessarily much different on paper, but my big question mark is Damon Arnett. You know, you, you spend a high pick on him, and, and he was a non-factor last year. He dealt with injuries. and But after Mike Mayock spent the offseason trashing their defense, and then they, you know, put some effort toward it, they uh, drafted safety uh, Trevon Merrig. I just I need to see I don't know what to expect from this group. I mean, it's not necessarily that I don't know who is projected to be the starters, but I have no idea what they're going to get. Um, other than that, Jonathan Abrams is going to be in the box more, and he already plays like a psychopath. So we might as well, uh, you know, enjoy him being around uh, the, the ball more. I mean, he might have been the biggest problem in a defense full of. I'm glad you brought them up just because uh, I kind of forgot about Casey Hayward. They signed Casey Hayward. He he might be their slot guy, but I I mentioned uh, I. I'm probably basing this on like too small of a sample size and everything. But when I watched Damon Arnett last year, I thought he looked pretty good. I know he he did not test out well and he gave up some big plays, but him and Trayvon Mullen, like I thought they have shown some things and young cornerbacks are, it's tough, man. It is tough to come into the NFL as a young cornerback. And I, I think both of them actually have flashed a lot. Like people think they're busts. And I thought both of them have shown some things. So it wouldn't shock me if, if those two guys improved. Yeah, I definitely like Mullins more than Arnett, but I mean Mullins has a little bit more of a of a you know sample size so far. So, so but it's interesting. Trust Gus Bradley to put it all together. I, I'm yeah. not so sure. All right, good stuff. And check it out NFL.com/slash/projected-starters. It's kind of pretty much evergreen content. You could read it now. Projected starters. Oh, that you could read it now. You could read it a month from now, and you'll kind of be up to date. That's what well, I told Ali. Too. I'm done until the season. This works as a season preview. I didn't tell Ali. I'm just hiding. <laughs> I am unreachable. <laughs> I have more content to get to Ali today. You'll right. learn in time. As uh, the rule of fives. As uh, promised, on Tuesday we asked for were some reviews and stars over on iTunes. Checked it out. Went over to the iTunes. Got a Decent amount. I got to be honest with you, Greg. You appealed to the audience. They didn't uh, listen. <laughs> we got a we got a nice handful, but I was hoping for many because again, it's the only thing we ask for. Well, that's that true. It's underwhelming. So maybe it's it's not. Maybe again, guys, adoration, five attention, stars, five love. stars. Leave a yeah. review. That's all we ask. All right, <laughs> no. let's get into it. This one from 
<laughs> this is from C Elko three. Love the hosts. Not enough cults. Five stars. Apparently, the way for a small market team to make the pot each week is to sign Teddy Bridgewater. That said, a great podcast, even in the off season. Up next, Wait Mark Sessler, twenty twenty four. Five stars. I enjoy Mark's Browns fandom, wit, and literacy. Nice comment there, Mark. Oh, I wrote that, you think? <laughs> Eric Stabe. <laughs> it's, Mark, it's Mark's brother, Eric Sessler. Zach Attack Curie, longtime listener, first-time reviewer. The NFL is lucky to have these heroes making podcasts for them when they could easily break off on their own and bankroll the best independent NFL podcast network via Patreon. Pay the heroes, Slammer. Whoa, whoa. Are you listening, employer? Up next, Miss My Uncle Charles. <laughs> Miss My Uncle <laughs> Charles. Just here for the Bone Thugs talk. People love that. It was a missed opportunity, Shook, without you on the show. You, you know, they, the guys make jokes that I like rap. You like rap even more. And uh, you are a Clevelander. Mm-hmm. So, Bone Thugs, If the floor is yours if you have anything to say about them. Um, well, I will say this, and this is going to date myself, but Bone Thugs was hot when I was, like, a kid. Well, I know that, kid, but, but, but I, I don't <laughs> think you maybe listened to him oh, at some point. Oh, of course. Point. Absolutely. Um, no doubt. No doubt about it. Not so much in the last couple of years, but they're definitely in the uh, in the rotation every once in a while. It's lukewarm. By the way, there's Bone no, Thugs is great! <laughs> there's no, Greg, there's no kind of joshing you about your rap enjoyment. It's just simply pointed out on the show, Greg likes rap. Yeah. It's factual. I like some of it, too. Not at your level. I like, like, you know, lesbian indie rock, too, but that doesn't get its own little pop. It doesn't. And maybe it should. All right. Up next. Favorite podcast ever from MH Class of 83. June 2021, and I listen to a fair amount of podcasts, mostly football. Great NFL insight with just the right levity. The different personalities bounce off each other perfectly. Erica. Ricky, jump in here. Erica is the finishing touch, occasionally bringing them all back to earth without any damper on the amusement. Go, Erica. I hope this podcast carries on just as it is for my lifetime, if the universe would be so kind. All the best for healing. Heart, all of you. Wow, that was so nice. That was very nice. Why do we not assume that Erica wrote that when you're immediately <laughs> suggesting that a pro mark one was written by myself? Up next, smart with NFL, comma, woke ideology. Two stars out of five. Wow. Smart NFL <laughs> analysts, if you brush off the woke rhetoric they spew when they veer away from sports, I can't stomach the ignorance on real world matters. No one cares about your opinions on vaccines and politics. You're losing listeners because of it. Wake up, guys. Trump voters and people who don't want to get vaccinated are in every room you walk in. Maybe time to show them a little respect. All caps. Bye. So just being in a room that you walk in is worthy of respect? No. If you, if you even if you just use the term woke, I don't. We don't need you. That's just it's a red. He flag. jumped out just in time. Uh, you know, today's episode touched on things he <laughs> finds unple- unpleasant. So yeah, I was going to say he definitely tuned out after about the first ten minutes. <laughs> Let Mark cook. 
from Vado All Right. I listen to this podcast more than I watch the NFL. I mean, I, uh, there's not a better selling point for uh, mm. for our show. And finally, best podcast around. Parentheticals in the tone of Dan. My favorite podcast by far, and in quarantine, I dabbled in many. I listen to each episode as soon as I can on the day it comes out. Love everything you do. I recently lost a close friend, and your openness and friendship, talking about Chris, really helps me through it. I would call him Wes, but that seems like a nickname you have to earn. I'm just a lowly listener. That is not true. Wes was down to be called by Wes by anyone. I don't want to lessen my compliment with an NFL question. I'd have some, but I'd rather just leave a great review. Oh, that's very nice. Mm, Williams. Thank you, William. And yeah. uh, you understood it. These were good reviews. I assumed you maybe maybe you picked uh, the best of them, so there were even more. But good job. I think I think we can do better. Maybe come back strong again, and we'll do it again some other time. Yeah, that's that. We call for more reviews. Send us uh, your reviews, and we will read them on the air potentially. All right, shook. Oh, before we say goodbye, Ricky, something very exciting. Speaking of vanity projects, uh, you have something to share. Yes, so uh, the broadcast, my podcast that I do with Emma, got signed by All Things Comedy. So we're going to be on the ATC network. Welcome, Ricky. Big time. Really excited. So um, if the ATN listeners want to do me a little favor and go over there and subscribe or check out an episode, there's episodes, actually not Nick, but everyone else in here that you guys have your own episodes and they're great we wrote a funny script where mark read basically him going crazy and getting a huge tattoo of baker mayfield after they win the super bowl so a little foreshadowing about what life would be like um i think it's great but yeah i'm excited congratulations Wait, so you're now being you're being paid now for for the show Correct? Uh, well, yeah, ad sales potentially. Any retroactive know? kickbacks to the people Not yet that is, you know. I think the the un, you know between the lines there. Yeah. Right. Well. But yeah, coming, Mark, though. if you go, you know, pump up your own episode, I can work something out for you. Okay. Venmo well, like twelve bucks or something. When the Browns do win the Super Bowl, we should like have a listening party to that episode. Compare it with reality. It'll be it'll be fun. Good it'll job, Ricky. Congratulations. Thank you. Hard work so pays off. Really excited. Check Thanks, out guys. the broadcast. Check out JRVP. Check out the throwback podcast. My buddy Bob, who I do the show with, kills me. He absolutely destroys me for never promoting the show. And I say, listen, I like to keep my world separate whenever possible. But since everyone else is uh, getting their plugs in, I will mention it. And I'll make sure he knows that I did. And the listeners will as well, I imagine. Well, but let's, Ricky, give Bob's, get, let's give Bob's show uh, a pop, too, because my kids were literally, I'm not exaggerating, counting down the days b- b- before Lego Masters came back. And first, <laughs> for, you know, we had that DVR'd. Bob's working on Lego Masters. We had it DVR'd. And uh, first thing, you know, get home from school. That's it's It's, that's a, a total hit. And I think our house, Lego too. Masters house. Yeah, I like that. Bob is um, a producer on the show and he works very closely with Will Arnett, the host. I, just, I can't share any of the stories that I've heard, but it's it's very interesting to learn what goes on inside the Hollywood machine with someone on the edges of the Illuminati. Now, you wouldn't think Arnett was on the edges, but he's there. Exclusive club. Whoa. <laughs> I'm intrigued. That was, that was insane. <laughs> <laughs> 
what did I oversell it? It's just you know, it's you get a good well, uh, peek into the show business world. That's cr- I mean, yeah, I was kind of wondering like the photos of him with all the Legos behind. I'm like, how did he get that? You know, you got to do <laughs> some bartering behind the scenes, you know, to make that happen. Which I, any Illuminati people out there, I'm willing to have a conversation. Oh, Ricky, this is not it, a good look for you. No, what you'll give up anything to be inside the circle. Yeah. Your quest I, for fame is just yeah, endless. It is. And yes. it's leaving a path of destruction in its wake. Like, what do I have to do to get a yacht? Like, it, could it be that bad? Just ask Dad. <laughs> so That's that your quickest route. Um, all right. Yes, check out uh, Ricky's show, The Broadcast. Hey, f*** you, Greg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Nick Shook, uh, you've done it again. You've said it all. And um, thank you for joining us today and look forward to having you on again on the show again soon. And of course, during the regular season as well. Yeah, certainly. Love being on. Love being around you guys, even though, you know, we're <clears throat> remotely, uh, you know, not quite hanging out in L.A. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been a blast as always. So thanks. We're thanks, getting Shooky. there. Yep. Thank you, Shooky. All right. This is Dan Hansen signing off for the Quiet Storm, the old boss, the unshookable Nick Shook. What did I say? I had like a really bad nickname that everyone hated. Now I'm forgetting it. Damn it. All right, we'll come it back. was something inappropriate, like the the pipe. The pipe. Oh, the pipe. Yeah. <laughs> the pipe. <laughs> the pipe. Did not catch on. I'm trying to get this pipe. Uh, Ricky Hollywood. Uh, check out the Around the NFL broadcast Friday on the network right after Good Morning Football. Until then, heed the call. Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. 
iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.